Good morning, uh, Regen. Uh, my name is Jairus, and I'm so glad to be here, and I'm so glad to have you um, tuning in um, online today. Um, I'm just going to go over a couple reminders here. Um, so if, you've, if you uh, do not already have um, received texts or emails from us, we'd love to connect with you. So um, you f we can do that by uh, texting the word REGEN to 94000 because um, we'd like to connect with you. So um, go ahead and do that. Um, secondly, our very Merry Christmas is coming up on Sunday, December 5th, 20th at 5 p.m. So um, dress warm, bring your fire pit, and come ready for some Christmas cheer. Um, guests are welcome, and you will not have to register. Would you um, please join me in the giving liturgy today? Holy Father, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who with, withstand the delusions of riches and chokes the word, whose heart, hearts are not, sorry, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and your sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all the world. Amen. If you'll uh, join uh, us in watching this, uh, the Advent uh, video. Advent is one of my favorite times of year here at church. I love our predictable pattern of preparing our hearts to celebrate Christmas and for the coming of Jesus. Here's what that pattern is. When we gather on Sundays, a family leads us in an Advent reading and they pray and they light a candle. But in this season of scattering, when so many of us are participating in our gathering from home, we intentionally invited some families who've been worshiping from home in these months to lead us in this time. So let's enter into this together. Take a look. <laughs> so, all right. Good morning. We're the Bradleys. I'm Corey. I'm Jess. This is Harlow. And Peyton. Our newest Peyton. <laughs> We're glad to be with you on this first Sunday of Advent. Advent is a Latin word that means the coming or the arrival. It's a season of waiting and expectation, a time of longing. Time. Yeah, yeah, a time of longing and hope. The Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel make this time of year look so full and so bright. <laughs> but instead of feeling full and hopeful, many of us feel empty and hopeless. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, yes, she is feeling. It's okay, we're going to make it through. Okay. <laughs> Advent helps us to make the journey from darkness to light, 
Each week we light a candle on the Advent wreath and gather the light. We remember the promise of Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. While we gather the light, we watch and we wait for God to speak, for God to move. We join the watchmen on the walls from the book of Isaiah, waiting for God's light to break over the horizon. During Advent, it's God's desire to be present in our waiting and to offer us hope. He will act on our behalf as surely as he performed his greatest miracle in a small town called Bethlehem. Let's pray together. Hey, let's pray, okay? Can we pray? Yeah, come on. <laughs> Father, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna pray. Father, we bring to you today all of our waiting and all of our hoping. And we confess that we very often lose our hope as we wait for you to move. Teach us hopeful endurance and keep your first coming before us as a down payment on your faithfulness to us in the future. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the greatest gift. Amen.
we're also facing disappointment as event after event is canceled and venues are closed and some of our favorite traditions are placed on hold. Some of us stuff that pain only to have to deal with it later, like leftovers in the back of the fridge. Some of us are drained by the pain, finding that even the most joy-filled traditions seem hollow and empty. As we're surrounded by these difficult circumstances and hard emotions, our natural tendency is to crumple and curl in on ourselves. It's a protective gesture that we do when we're in physical pain, um, but it's also a posture that we find ourselves in mentally and emotionally. The world might seem totally normal all around us, but for us, it's as if time is stopped and there's nothing for us but our grief. We've all heard the Christmas story. It's a story of triumphant joy that makes us sing Gloria in excelsis Deo. But this year, for the first time, I was able to see just how much grief and pain Mary and Joseph had to go through to bring us the Messiah. Grab your Bible or flip open your Bible app um, and flip to the book of Luke. In this time period, engagement was a lengthy process, steeped in tradition. First, Joseph had to approach Mary's family with a mohar, a gift that showed how serious he was about wanting to start a life with her. From that moment, both Mary and Joseph excitedly prepared for their life together for an entire year. Joseph had to prepare a place for them to live. He was a carpenter by trade, so I like to imagine him like carefully carving detail in the bedpost so that it would be suitable for his bride. I imagine him crafting tables that their loved ones would gather around for generations. And I imagine him maybe even planning on making a crib, maybe for you know, the children that'll come eventually. And Mary, I imagine her learning to bake bread, tracing hearts in the flour on the table. I imagine her giggling with her friends as they did their chores together, planning on how they would be neighbors for their whole lives and grow old together. I imagine Mary being so proud of her righteous fiance and dreaming of their future together, how he would go off to the temple and come home and kiss her on the cheek and, and then bounce their children on his knee. They were likely the talk of Nazareth, a good match that certainly everyone approved of. And then an angel came, and those dreams were shattered. Luke describes it in Luke 1, 28 through 38. It says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. 
He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Confused and disturbed. Those aren't words that we find on many Christmas cards. Yet here they are, right at the beginning of the Christmas story in verse 29. As Mary is trying to figure out what God could be doing, she is experiencing the same hard emotions that we face when things don't quite go like we hope or plan. In this moment, Mary could have chosen that self-preservation, but instead she chose faithfulness and surrender when she said in verse 38, May everything you have said about me come true. Leave your finger in Luke, um, because we're going to come back to that. But this huge moment didn't just affect Mary. Flip over to Matthew 1, 18. It's just one, one book over. It says, This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Joseph was a righteous man, but he was not stupid. He knew where babies came from. Clearly, Mary had been unfaithful. He must have felt so betrayed, so foolish, so rejected. According to the law, he had every right to have her killed. But clearly he loved her and decided instead of the public divorce proceedings, he would just not go through with the whole rest of the marriage process. Joseph was kind, but I'm still it was sure it was very painful. Before Mary could even feel the babe in her womb doing somersaults, before her waistline started to grow, before her weird cravings hit, she had to wrestle with the pain of losing the man she loved, her good reputation, and her dreams for the future. Plus, she probably had to deal with morning sickness. I'm sure Mary had moments that she just wanted to curl up in a ball and cry. The angel mentioned that her cousin Elizabeth was also pregnant, and Mary was grieving desperately, so she went to visit Elizabeth. Luke 1.39 says, 
A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. So why does Mary go see Elizabeth? Well, Elizabeth was no stranger to grief. She had wrestled with the pain of infertility for her entire life. She and her husband, Zachariah, had served faithfully. They were doing everything right, but had not been blessed with a child. At this point, Elizabeth was quite old, probably more likely to be mistaken for a grandmother than a mom. Yet God had been merciful and given her a miraculous pregnancy. Mary went to visit Elizabeth because she needed to know that even though the pain of grief is real, there's hope for joy. And Elizabeth was exactly what Mary needed in this moment. Not only had she experienced deep grief, she welcomed Mary, grief and all. She didn't make judgments. <laughs> she probably just made Mary a nice hot cup of tea. Elizabeth also had a knack for speaking truth. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth reminded Mary who she was, who God is, and what he was doing. It's as if this truth helped Mary move from her curled up, self-protective posture that only saw her loss, rejection, and grief, and morning sickness, <laughs> to a posture of looking to the Father to see God at work and even praise him for what he was doing. Mary says in Luke 1.49, For the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. And then we have Joseph. His pregnant fiancé is out of town. He alone is dealing with the stares and the rumors from his little town. I would imagine he really threw himself into his work, the chopping and lifting and hammering, giving a a way to release the pain and anger in a constructive way. How could his precious Mary betray him like this? And who was the guy? If he found him, he would kill him. But then back in Matthew 1, 20, it says, As Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, 
which means God is with us. God with us. So even when Mary couldn't feel the child wiggling in her womb, when Joseph was in a whole other town nursing his broken heart, God was with them. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Even though it went against the rules that Joseph had created for himself that preserved his righteousness, he took Mary as his wife because he knew that Scripture said that God was going to do something like this, and he trusted that God was doing it now. And even if it was painful, Joseph wanted to be part of whatever God was doing. So Joseph named him Jesus. Can I just say, I may have just a little crush on Joseph. No one would blame him for his anger or for crumpling in on himself and his grief, yet he chooses to rise up and to show so much kindness to Mary. As he looks toward the father, an angel comes to him in a dream and explains the situation, and Joseph just gets up and follows through with no questions, <laughs> even at the risk of his reputation, because by marrying Mary, Joseph was kind of admitting that that child was his. And then he shows incredible honor and self-control. <laughs> Sorry, Jared. <laughs> Mary and Joseph were able to rebuild their lives together. The love and the trust grew between them. They knew what the prophecy said about the Messiah, the one that God was sending, had sent to rescue his people. And he had chosen them. So everything was going to be fine, right? Mary and Joseph were both looking to the Father. Certainly now they will live happily ever after just how they dreamed, right? Well, no, not really. Their reality was still far from the hopes and dreams that they held so dearly. And there was still a lot of hardship ahead. If you've watched the Peanuts Christmas special, you've heard this next part. In Luke 2, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. I vaguely remember being pregnant. And as the due date is looming, I remember being so uncomfortable. I remember having to use the bathroom every 20 minutes. I remember that even walking was painful as my body was getting ready to evict the little miracles. Yes, pregnancy is beautiful. 
it's also really hard. I cannot even imagine Mary riding on a donkey for the better part of a week because her husband just had to be from the line of David. I cannot even imagine the concern they must have felt as they left their friends and loved ones so close to their due date. And then she brought this precious baby into the world with no option of painkillers, with a guy that doesn't really know what he's doing and a bunch of animals and shepherds in a stable. Awesome. We don't hear anything about the family and friends awaiting their return. Again, things weren't turning out as Mary and Joseph hoped or dreamed they would. And yet again, they faced rejection, disappointment, and pain. But still, their baby was Emmanuel, God with us. I wish I could say the loss stopped there, but it didn't. There's no room for them at the inn. Jesus is born in a stable, surrounded by animals and strangers instead of family. Not long after, Mary and Joseph become refugees in Egypt, fleeing for their lives and the life of their child. Mary and Joseph had to figure out the challenges of sleepless nights, breastfeeding, sickness, toddler tantrums, and potty training without the community and traditions that they grew up with. I imagine Mary bursting into tears as her family misses Jesus' first steps. And I imagine Joseph swallowing hard as Jesus' first words had just a little bit of an Egyptian accent. Even though God was protecting them, even though they were doing everything right, it was still probably really hard. Yet Mary and Joseph continued to walk faithfully, looking to the Father and choosing to participate in whatever he was doing as they raised Jesus to become the man that he was. I mentioned that one of my favorite things about this time of year are the beautiful Christmas stories. Well, the one that we just read is, of course, my favorite. But another really good one is A Christmas Carol. In this story, Charles Dickens introduces us, introduces us to Ebenezer Scrooge. He's a miserable guy who's made misery sort of an art form. He delights in sharing his gloom, scorning Christmas wishes, through a series of supernatural house guests, we learn that Ebenezer has faced a great deal of rejection, loss, pain, and grief. One particularly difficult year, Ebenezer was surrounded by the typical holiday celebration, but this time he crumpled in on himself permanently. The happiness around him just sort of made him sick. As the people wished him a Merry Christmas, the bile rose up in his throat, and he spat, bah humbug. We all have moments like that. We decide that seeing loved ones is too hard. All they offer us is rejection, so we're just not even going to try and connect with anyone this year. We decide that numbing out with a drink or retail therapy will help us handle the pain at the end of a hard day, and then every day becomes a hard day. We're sad about the loss of our Christmas and honestly the entire year, but instead of wrestling with that sadness and with the Father's purpose for it, we decide that he must just not be real 
And if he is real, he's certainly not faithful or loving. Yeah, we've all had bah humbug moments. The thing is, Scrooge camped out there. In fact, he didn't just camp out there. He built a mansion on Bah Humbug Avenue. He found that isolating himself reduced the pain of rejection because people can't hurt you if you don't let them in. He found that the security of an overinflated bank account reduced the pain of loss. And he found that Bah Humbug lifestyle was void of joy, but it was also numb to pain. I can't get over the stark contrast of Ebenezer's response to grief compared to Mary and Joseph's. So friends, as you face the reality of loss, conflict, grief, disappointment, rejection, and pain this Christmas, may you be like Mary and Joseph. May you uncrumple yourself and look to the Father Embracing the invitation to participate in something much larger than yourself, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's painful. It might be something that you have to do again and again from moment to moment, but tell God how you're feeling. Get really honest. He's big. His feelings aren't fragile. He can take it. And then take some time to listen to his heart towards you. It might feel funny. You may not hear anything at first, but listen anyway. Eventually, maybe through a song, maybe through scripture, maybe through just a strange peace settling over you, he will communicate how much he loves you and how glad he is that you are choosing to participate in what he's doing. As you're overwhelmed with grief this Christmas, May you find an Elizabeth, someone who knows grief but walks in joy, someone who will welcome grief and all, someone who will serve up a hot cup of tea instead of judgment, and someone who will boldly speak truth, reminding you of who you are, who God is, and what he's doing. And may you remember when you're in your deepest pain, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus and wrecking all of Mary and Joseph's plans for us. Help us to be aware of the bigger story that you're inviting us to participate in this Christmas. Father, when we're suffering, Send us an Elizabeth. And when we get through our suffering, help us to be Elizabeths to one another. Father, we trust that you are indeed with us. Help us to trust you more. Amen. And we uh, made a practice of responding to what God is, is revealing. And, and as followers of Jesus, that's, that's uh, what we want to do. We want to be like wise builders who um, not only hear the word, but we do, do what it says. So 
Um, some things that stuck out to me as Randy was preaching, um, things not turning out the way they expected, that's, that's kind of all of 2020. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we can kind of all relate to that. And also, um, camping out like Scrooge um, stuck out to me because I'm no stranger to that for a long time. I, I uh, camped out in grief. And I, just to be honest, uh, my father passed away when I was young, and, um, and I, I didn't deal with that, and I was handling it by myself. So um, that kind of, as I was thinking about this, brought up the question, and I want to share with you um, as we respond, uh, what are you grieving? Um, what are you grieving today, or this month, or this year? Um, because what I've been learning is naming what is going on has power, gives power to that. So I, I invite you to, to name your grief today in your living room, around your family, or if you're, um, um, yeah, just name your grief. And if so, is Jesus with you in your grief? If not, would you consider inviting him to be with you in your grief, to be present, to be God with, with us? And also, um, I think for me personally, um, grief invited isolation, um, wanting to take care of it myself and, and like Scrooge and camping out in that grief. Um, so I, I really, um, I encourage you, even though you want to isolate, reach out to, to other people. Um, yeah, don't face it alone. Name it and don't face it alone. So let's take a few minutes to respond to what God um, is saying, and then Julia will lead us in our, our final song. you guys um, if you'd like to join us for prayer there's a zoom link in the comments um, yeah we're praying for you your week may you be so aware of Emmanuel's presence with you this week see you next week <laughs>